welcome to the Tour Talk Golf Podcast, where we walk the walk. Now let's talk the talk. I am your co-host, Sean McBride. Together with my wife, Maria, we share our Inside the Ropes experience on all the major golf tours. Welcome to the Wifey for a Lifey. How are you, Maria? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. Enjoying this nice heat that we have here in mm. Orlando, Florida. It's our beautiful summer heat, but we have to accept it because the winters are beautiful. So we have had a little bit of a break with our podcast uh, because we thought we'll kind of put uh, the, this week's British Open in there as well to kind of cramp a couple of t- weeks together. But uh, what did you think about the British Open this year? Well, as per normal on a Sunday when there's a major championship, I seem to make the habit of finding a very comfortable place on the couch with our dogs and you seem to keep yourself busy up to the last few holes, nine holes, and seem to just <laughs> swoop in there and comment on everything. Yep. Whilst I've been concentrating on everything and uh, getting all the information together yeah. for this podcast. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so this British Open, 150th edition at St. Andrews, the home of golf. I mean, it started off as a great celebration to the week right from the start. I think the RNA did a fantastic job up to a point, and we'll discuss that. Um, but obviously with Cameron Smith being the winner, I mean, he played unbelievable golf today 64 will go down in history as one of the great final rounds in major championship golf and he spoiled the party for the Rory McIlroy sort of army but you can't take it away from Cameron he played fantastic it was really really good and the way he putted was incredible Mm. Uh, on those greens as well which is not always easy to read and get a feel for but every putt was just going in or was close all the time uh, and that up and down he had on the 17th hole mm. was amazing. Now, clearly Cameron uh, is known for his short game. His, his, his up and downs over the last four or five holes, particularly his putting, obviously, um, was such a strength of his. It, obviously, it did separate himself in the end from himself and Rory because as we looked at Rory, we've although I thought Rory had a really pretty clean Sunday as well. I mean, yeah, he, he did, under for with sure. No mistakes. Yeah. But something about Rory, it just feels like he doesn't quite capitalise at the moment's that he can, which is a really harsh critique considering he's a major championship, multiple major championships. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. But it's, uh, if you look at the standards of Cameron's putting and McElroy's putting, it just was a different league, it felt like, today. And I think that's kind of what separated them a little bit in today's round anyway. But it was a great British Open, I thought. I thought it turned yeah. out really good. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I mean, massive crowds. They mentioned there that it was like 300,000 plus. Um, you've got a bit of history, obviously, with Scotland. I mean, you went to uh, college or university in Scotland there in Stirling. So yep. what is that? We've both been there for British Opens, the Women's British Open. Right. Um, my small experience compared to your sort of residential experience, what is it about St Andrews? to the people that were watching on TV and they see the buildings sort of dwarfing the 18th hole and the first hole. What is it about that place that is just so magical? I think the history of golf, because Mm. that's where golf started. That's how it became 18 holes, Mm. because they were just walking along and all of a sudden, you know, you you have all the joint greens because... They went out and came back and they had the same greens. So I think just the atmosphere of knowing that's how all these famous people or golfers have been and how they started and everything. And I think the history of it, it's just uh, it's an amazing place. 
They've all, there's many, many players, including yourself, have taken that walk over the Swilkin Bridge from the 18th tee to the 18th fairway. Yeah. Uh, back in 2007, I mean, you were very, very close to winning your own British Open right there at St Andrews. The first Women's British Open to be held at St Andrews, Lorena Ochoa sort of got the benefit of uh, the first round conditions and kind of held her her lead there for the next three or four days. But I see you came second. I was there. I watched it. Yeah. Um, can yeah. you remember back? and see any shots today that Cameron Smith played. I know when we were watching a little bit on TV, you mentioned about that 17th hole and that mm. particular putt that he had around the bunker. You said you've had it. Yeah. What was it like? What did it feel like for the average punter watching it on TV today and thinking, oh, that looks okay. It doesn't look that difficult. <laughs> no, it doesn't look that difficult. But just knowing that pace is obviously extremely important when you come to that putt because you're almost putting in a velodrome. Mm. So the putt, the putt kind of comes into the bunker, and if you're a little bit too soft in pace, it's going to ricochet right into the bunker because it's so steep, and that little velodrome there takes the ball so far left. But then, on the other hand, if you putt it too hard, it doesn't really take the velodrome that much, and it will go straight through, and you can actually putt it over the green and over to the road. So it's it's a weird, really hard shot. Uh, you do not want to end up in the bunker. So it's more important to get the pace and probably hit it a little harder than anything. But there was also, I mean, when you look at the, the shots that they hit and the clubs that they hit into the greens and everything, they had pretty good conditions, mm. uh, playing conditions this week. I've played there when it's just horrible and it's so long and it's so windy. But that's what comes with Lynx golf. Sometimes you get the wind, sometimes you don't. Um, and it played very, very different when we played it in 2007, for sure, than it did in their conditions and uh, how far they hit it now as well. Yeah, it, for these guys, they really had to come be very inventive with some incredibly tough pin positions from the from the first hole of the first day right through to the last uh, last day. They were tucking yeah. some pins in some pretty, pretty serious positions there. And these guys still shot. I mean, today was a tournament record, 20 under par. Yeah. Um, so... A little bit of me says that this might just be a little um, a continued attention drawn to the fact that the ball and the club and the players are hitting it so far now on the men's side that they're making golf courses look obsolete. That's been an argument for many, many years. Right, but when right. the RNA gets their pants pulled down a little bit, um, maybe it's a little wake-up call to finally coming around to maybe putting some restrictions on the golf ball or the spring effect on drivers, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But a fantastic... Yeah. British Open, Cameron Smith winner, uh, Cameron Young, who also has now done really well in the last couple of majors. Fantastic eagle part in the last to finish Very second good. by himself. Yeah. And poor old Rory Great. goes from just basically having the gold medal around his neck on the, mm. at the start of the day and ends up with a bronze. <laughs> yes. Even after nine holes, he had a two-shot yeah. lead. Uh, and then all of a sudden, both Cameron played solid and, and good and kind of overtook him coming down the stretch. But that's that's golf, small margins, and no one really played. Uh, unfortunately, maybe Hovland wasn't too happy with this round. He shot two over today. But other than that, everybody up there played good golf. Cameron Smith will be the champion golfer of the year, and he will proudly take the old uh, claret jug wherever he goes. And he's a bit of a beer drinker, so I'm sure he's filling that up as we speak. Another story throughout the week, obviously, Friday afternoon, Tiger Woods. Um, we kind of discussed and you thought maybe it might be his last tournament altogether. I think he kind of... Not really altogether, but for 
I mean, I don't think he will ever come back and play full schedule. Mm. He, I think he will try to play some majors next year. I think we might see him back, maybe his own event that he has in December, uh, but maybe Masters next year. But I, I think it will be very sporadic and... Um, I don't think we will see him play St. Andrews again. I think he might be there and maybe his son will be there because his son will be 21 at the time. Good point. I thought he would have said this the other day in the interview. He probably didn't have the um, thought in his mind at at that stage, but he said the next British Open at St. Andrews is probably going to be about 2030. Yeah. And I think he said, and he mentioned he might not be physically able to play. First of all, he will be. He'll end up dragging himself over the line and doing something to play and... Expanding on the sun thing, he will end up having his son caddy for him. So I can see him in five, six, seven years' time getting to that point. He'll probably be yeah, 52, 53, 54 maybe. Well, it's eight years away. Eight so, yeah. years away. So 55 and with his son caddying, I can see them standing on the Swilkin Bridge like previous champions in the past, Jack and Arnold, Tom Watson to name a few. and. Yeah. um thanking everybody for being such a great champion, which he has been, obviously, because even a injured Tiger, and he really is injured, he's still captivating to watch. So Absolutely. That yes. was a story early in the week. Yeah. Now, another little story was the uh, effort by everybody consumed with Live Golf versus PGA Tour Golf of how they decided to a um, few rumblings about the reception of some of the live players, uh, whether there was booing or non-booing or whether there was invitations to champions dinners and stuff like that. So I thought uh, the network television has tried to go out of their way to keep that separate. I think they achieved it, but I think it's petty. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I do think, um, I think with Sky Sport though, that I think it's better. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel like, oh, they're not showing any of the live players. Mm. They still did, but um, yeah, there's still people there. They don't, they don't like their decisions, and they don't like where live is going. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a continual story that will keep on going and brewing, and players leaving and whatever tours they're leaving. So I yeah, think there's still the, a lot the, to go there. The court cases have only just starting to get momentum, and when that starts to happen. It's going to be in the public eye for, for a long, long time yet. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, there's a bunch of private jets leaving uh, Edinburgh Airport, all flying back to America, and all these guys will be jumping on their jets and coming back to the PGA Tour, and they've put on a fantastic show for everybody, a fantastic British Open, 150th British Open at St Andrews, and Cameron Smith, you did Fantastic. LPGA news. Did you see anything on the LPGA whilst this British Open was taking place? <laughs> I did, I did uh, catch a little bit uh, of it. And I saw, obviously, that um, Lisette Salas and uh, Jennifer Cupcho won. It was mm. a team event going on this week. So they played foursome and best ball. So it was kind of a, I mean, a little interesting and, and fun, a little bit different event than the LPGA usually has. So... It was a do- the Dove Dove event, and um, it was a Salas' first win in eight years, but it was Cupcho's third win this season. So she is going up towards Player of the Year, possibly. Really? Yeah, depending on how she continues to play. So, um, yeah, we have to look at that and see what's going on there. Also, we had European Tour event going on in Holland, and Anna Nordqvist came out as the winner. Oh, a sneaky yeah. Swedish win! I see how you had yes. to um, you had to um, 
one-up me there. I had the Australian <laughs> win the British Open. You've come back with a Swedish winner in exactly, Holland. Exactly, exactly. So um, that will be good for her, getting some momentum and some confidence going into the Evian Masters coming up this week. And then we have the Scottish Open, the British Open, um, and the Irish as well. So there's a lot of events going on there uh, in Europe. So she's uh, gaining some momentum for that. Momentum going into another major championship for the women. Yeah. Evian Masters now. Do we do we talk about the Evian Masters without you and I um, getting a little, have a little tension? Because there's quite a bit of history there. And for those people that yes. know nothing about our history, uh-huh. um, back in 2001, I was lucky enough to caddy for Rachel Hetherington, who won the Evian Masters, and you had, before 2001, already racked up a couple of runner-up finishes, and you found yourself in the last group in 2001 uh, sharing the lead with Rachel Hetherington. And, of course, somebody had to win. It ended up being (laughs) Rachel. Ended uh, up being you as well. Which is ultimately me. And to this day... We don't talk about it in this household. I've been told by yourself and your uh, family to never mention that. I cannot. <laughs> I have to. I have to enjoy that victory in silence. So that particular day, if we can roll back now, yeah, um, yeah. I try. I think we both kept it incredibly professional. I mean, it was very unusual, and it did get some coverage on the yes. golf channel back then because yeah. it was such a story mm-hmm. that how does. How does that work? Now, since then, there's been some other boyfriend, fiancés, husbands, catting for other players. Yes, and you've seen yeah, that, definitely. Yep. seen that happen. But it was a mm. new experience for us. And in the end, I think we both handled it pretty professionally. Nothing was said or done that would be regarded be, as controversial. No. no, not at all. I wouldn't think so. I, I wasn't like I was giving up something or missing a part on purpose to to lose the event or have you get a win or anything like that. Mm. You just go, you get on with it and you do your thing and try to play the best well I try to play the best I can to make give me the chance to win um and unfortunately um you know Rachel uh, won on the last hole well unfortunate for some yeah, fortunately well, for others. It was unfortunately. But it was me, a great duel. <laughs> um, both of you girls played fantastically well that day. I know Beth yeah. Daniel, Hall of Famer, was in the group that day, and she was also sort of looking out the corner of her eye thinking, "What is this is a really weird dynamic. And I do remember um, she kind of made a comment afterwards that I never said whenever you made a putt, I never mm-hmm. said good putt. Well, got news for you, Beth. I don't really say that to anybody when I'm caddying. I look after my player and that's it. And um, I've got enough to worry about looking after the girl I'm caddying for, let alone somebody else. So uh, that was probably the only thing I got back from that was somebody kind of noted that I wasn't overly um, encouraging to yourself. Yeah. But I tell you what, in the end, we both stuck to what we have always done and that was being very professional. So that's yeah. our little history. It there was, I mean, it was a little fun event because uh, Rachel was ahead and then after nine holes, I kind of come back and play, you know, made a few birdies or she made some bogeys and we were tied again or something. And off come Sean's rain jacket. It was so hot that day and I knew he was very, <laughs> um, he wasn't going to take it off. because Superstition. Superstitious, yeah. He wasn't going to take it off because they were ahead. They were leading. Mm. Um, but when that came off, I thought, oh, he's trying to change up the momentum a little bit. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. I, but I do believe you mentioned to your caddy or just elbowed him and said, oh, there's the first chink in the armour. But anyway, yeah, um, that's a bit of history there. Yes. Evian Masters right on Lake Geneva. Very yeah. unique place. Beautiful um, place. Beautiful place. So that hopefully the girls have a fantastic major championship there. Great pizzas. Oh, unbelievable pizzas in the town there, isn't yeah. it? 
and oh, really? stuck on the side of a hill. So the golf course, got to be honest, pretty rank. They've it's tried to redesign it. Yeah, not the greatest. Even after the redesign, it's not a... What do you think of the redesign? Because I never went back after they redesigned. I was uh, on the PGA Tour after I that. don't think it was that, that... I mean, as much money as they put into it, I didn't feel like it was worth that much money. They haven't got so, much to work with. I mean, it's stuck right on the side of a hill. Yeah, and I think that's what what was the charm about it. You mm. know, it was a good event. It was a charming little course. And then they kind of try to make it into more of a resort type of course, and I don't, I didn't think it worked that well. But yeah. Anyway, what you will see this week if you're watching the Evian Masters is the golf course will play soft. There is no question about that. They overwater it because Mr. Evian himself um, has a quite a strong presence there at the Evian Masters and likes this golf course to present itself like Augusta National, but because it's stuck on the side of a hill, pretty much every golf hole that's kind of below the clubhouse there is really soft so a lot of fairway shots get plugged a lot of shots on the green spin back a lot i know you struggled with yeah. uh, controlling the spin on yeah, all those greens yeah. for a lot of years so uh quirky golf course i don't think it's a major championship but somebody's going to be crowned a major and end up getting lots of bonuses in their contract so well done yes. to whoever <laughs> goes on to be an Evian Masters champion. Do you think uh, Mr. Evian, who actually own, well, owns the course or runs the course, do they water the course with Evian water? Well, what we do know is in the main street there, the locals, this is a little known fact, Yep. the locals, if you need some water, you just take your bucket or your bottles and you go down to this little fountain tucked away in a little cobbled street and Evian water is flowing from the factory about half a mile up the hill. That is a little-known fact that a lot of people would not know about. No, no, it's and it's nice, cold, beautiful water. So that is a great little place to go if you haven't been there. Great water to drink. Yeah. Not too sure about watering the golf course, but <laughs> um, we will see what happens. Very undulating golf course, and the second hole mm-hmm. um, on TV, it's going to look very flat. It's going to look very picturesque as you look out from the tee, but I can guarantee you the drop between the tee and the green is 18 yards, I think, maybe 20 yards. So the ball goes forever there, and it feels like you're going to hit it into Lake Geneva. And um, Yeah, it's a, oh, it's a nice – I mean, it's a, it's a cool place to be at. Um, and a nice little course to, to play around. But, beer, um, beer garden. There's some stories about that beer garden. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. Yes. Yes, so the girls are off the, to a major championship and we are off. Now, where are we going, Maria? Where are you dragging me in the next few days that I have to go? By the way, mm. it's a pretty big week. and uh, <laughs> It's a very big on week. On my 50th birthday coming up this week, you are taking me yeah. where? Where are we going? We're going to Salina, Kansas. Oh. Sounds yeah, great. I know. It is great. We we do they do have some hotels there. Do they? And they do seem to have a pretty decent golf course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's where we're going for the senior LPGA championship. So that's what I have been preparing for a little bit. Uh tra- practicing and training and trying to get ready for the event. Why am I there? Well, you're driving the golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> So you're caddying. <laughs> yes, I am caddying. There's no way I can carry the bag these days because I just am well past it. But driving a golf cart sounded good to me. Yeah, and shooting laser. Oh, yeah, shooting the laser. Yeah. I'm good at that. Yeah. Um, so it should be a good week. Obviously, it we'll catch up week. with a lot of uh, players that we uh, 
battled with back in the day. Let's yeah. name a few. Annika Sorensen is going to be there. Yes, and Kari Webb is playing, is playing her first time. She's playing the senior she? LPGA. Yeah, I think oh, it was the first time, right? She's the rookie in the playground. Um, right, right. And Dame Laura Davies. Yeah. Julie Inkster. Yes. Trish Johnson, to name but a few. Yeah. Lisa Lott Neumann. Oh, yeah. Idol, Swedish idol. Yes, my Swedish idol, yeah. Yeah, so we're all going to be there and um, there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to probably be driving that golf cart at 100 miles an hour and I'm not too sure if they'll bring in the rule where players and caddies cannot ride in the same golf cart, which is just annoying. Yes, so they have that rule, but I'm hoping it will change because the weather looks like it's going to be so hot all week. It's going to be between 103 and 106 all week. Yeah, but a supportive husband like I am, I mm. will. what I'll do is I'll drive have the golf cooler. cart cooler on the golf cart with the roof i'll be in the shade and mm. i'll just make sure that you take your time walking down to the ball every golf ball as i drive that's on the nice golf cart. yeah that's very caring won't be yeah. a problem so mm-hmm. we're looking forward to a good week it's always get to, good to get back out on the golf course and do a bit of caddying even if it's in a golf cart at a seniors event because yeah. ultimately we're just enjoying friends and golfing friends and some good golf and some good stories. So it should be good. Yeah, looking I'm, I'm looking to forward to it as well. So obviously in the last podcast, we decided to introduce like a little mini segment called Questions Without Notice. Mm. And um, it was quite popular. We had some feedback from that. And there's been some more questions given to us through social media and stuff like that. So we thought we'd kind of continue on it. On with it, condense it down a little bit to one question each. Questions yeah. without notice. Question to you mm-hmm. straight away. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Maria. Mm. Um, I've got to find this question. Uh, <laughs> here it is. Here it is in my notes. Now, this, um, I found this on social media. Oh, that's This nice. person asks. Uh-huh. Uh, who were some of your caddies in your career? Who was the best and why? Who was the best and why? So when I first came out on tour, um, I played on the European tour for two years. I had an English guy that caddied for me, Gary. Gary Clark. Gary Clark, yes. Such a nice guy. Yeah, he was a great caddy as well. Yep. He was a great caddy. So I played, uh, I had him as a caddy. And then I've had, I mean, I haven't had a lot of caddies, I don't feel like. Um, I had a Canadian guy, Jamie, caddying for me. I forgot about Jamie. Yeah. He was good. Yeah. Really good guy. So you had about three or four, four four really good caddies over the course of 20 years. So That was more full-time and then I had a few. So Gary, Jamie. Yep. I had Mick Seaborn. Mick Seaborn, who is now Uh, caddying for? uh, Sam Horsfield. Yes. Uh, Adam Woodward. Aussie Adam. Yes, he caddies for Charlie Hull right yep. now. So these guys are still out there yep. looping around. All right, and then I had Mark Britton. Mm. Uh, he is not caddying at the moment. He's currently in jail. Jail? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> joking. So it's got to be the nicest guy you could possibly meet. Yes, uh, yes. Really, really nice guy. Uh, yeah. Um, and Tommy Thorpe caddied for me um, as well for a few events. Tommy Thorpe, known for caddying for the great Nancy Lopez yes. back in the day. Yes. Now, he caddied okay. for you for your first win in Seattle. Yep, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I seem to be answering these this question more than you. No, but, um, and then um, Michael, Mikey Patterson caddied for me for my second win in Japan. Mm. So he caddied a few events for me as well. I had... Uh, 
Kevin Norris caddying for me when I won in England one year. Okay, but who was the best and why? Who was the best and why? I think, uh, oh, that's, that's hard because they're all um, different. Come on. I think, um, I mean, I really like, I really like Gary Clark when I first came out on tour because um, he was just very confident in what he was doing and it gave me a lot of confidence too. Um, he was sometimes tough on me and sometimes I need that, someone to, to tell me to kind of get on with what I'm doing. So I really liked him. I thought yeah. he was a good caddy. Great guy. Ended up being, I don't know if he's still doing it, ended up being the caddy master at Sunningdale and was one of the Sunningdale-Wentworth caddies back in the day. And the Sunningdale boys, those regarded as the Sunningdale boys, the caddies there when they caddy for the locals, they're some of the first few caddies that I ended up uh, learning the ropes from when I first went to Europe and Gary was one of them. And um, I learned very quickly that those guys bring um, the ability to just make a decision on the spot, stick to it, and be very, very convincing to a player. So I can see why when he came to a young, impressionable player like yourself and he had all the experience, how he would end up being a very memorable caddy. So, yes, Gary Clark, fantastic guy. And that was the question. Who was all your caddies and who was the best and why? And I think you answered it pretty well. All right. Well, so I have a question for you. You have a question for me? I, no, somebody, well, some, oh. somebody, but I'm okay, asking the okay. question, but somebody is. Um, so as an instructor, yes. what is the bad thing about amateurs watching lessons on YouTube? <laughs> the fact that they're watching lessons on YouTube is the bad thing. Now, this is a bit of a phenomenon that started to happen over the last few years because YouTube, social media, Instagram – um, what you're seeing when you're watching all these videos for, for mums and dads, boys and girls, uh, aspiring professional players that are in the, the developmental tours, when you're watching all this stuff, you've got to remember a couple of things here. One, you don't know how many takes it took for the person to actually put that video out and upload it. So they could have been there for half the day trying to get the position or hit the shot that they're actually trying to promote. The other thing is, is, is it relevant? to what you're trying to do. And what I mean by that is uh, when, you're, when you're doing instruction and you're doing comparison, so if I'm taking uh, and I have with you V1 video of yourself um, or V1 video of a junior player, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to find the same body profile in regards to height and, you know, arm length and just it's not an exact science, but you want to compare yourself to the same sort of body profile. So if you're watching somebody do something on social media or YouTube, that all looks sexy and fanciful and whatever, but it doesn't relate to what you're trying to do. So be very, very careful. Anybody mm. watching on those social media, YouTubes and... Um, it's so easy because people think, oh, well, it's it's free and I can get a free lesson here or whatever. And, yeah, but all it is is glorified Band-Aids and golf tips like most of the golf industry has lived off for years and there's been some great golf tips along the way. I used them a lot when I was a junior golfer and I didn't have... Uh, the internet or social media, but I learnt off of other people who learnt from other people. Yeah. So I yeah. guess it's a more of a new school way of learning. But ultimately, in the end, if I look at how I learnt my my golf the best or I taught golf the best, uh, the fact of the matter is you really do have to look at the fundamentals of each player, uh, particularly from the setup position, and then from there, how's that? How does that dictate the motion of 
the movement, the torso, right. the body, the arms. So yeah, if you yeah. go and if you look at YouTube videos, what you'll see is your eye gets attracted very quickly to the golf club, the golf shot, mm. the arms, the legs, and they don't actually look at the torso. Um, and ultimately that's where the engine is. So if everything okay. runs better from there. So be very, very careful what you're watching on those sort of uh, avenues of improvement. And ultimately what you should be doing is just going and seeking a, a good solid couple of lessons from a recommended PGA professional player uh, or coach, should I say, Yeah. Uh, and trying to find a bit of a process to your learning curve, not just looking for quick little Band-Aids. So mm, okay. good question. Right. And uh, unfortunately it's part of the industry that we as instructors keep fighting because players come to you with these, oh, what's even worse, by the way, players now come to you with fitness instructors that have started to blur the lines between fitness and golf technique and they've got players working on strength in certain areas that's not really helping their golf swing oh, so right, right, yeah. that's another that's another challenge in itself but yep question time it was a little condensed but I, it's proven to be a little popular so yeah. we're, we're going to continue on with that now right. of course we've always had our good bad and ugly and is it is it time maria for our good bad and ugly i think that we should go on to the good Bad and ugly. Let's do it. Yeah. So today I'm going to start. Okay. It seems like you most start most of the time, but yeah. I'm going to start today. Okay. So I'm going to start with the good. Mm. And I have to say that Cameron Smith winning with the mullet. I think is amazing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's such I he, and a moustache and a moustache as well. Yeah, which kind of covers covers both. Um, John Daly didn't have the moustache when he won it with his mullet, but only the second um, second mullet, Claret Jug, oh. and it's great. Yes, and as, as we were, <laughs> as we were watching him lift the Claret Jug, which I felt like was a bit sort of understated the presentation, but. Um, as you lifted it and you said, what a mullet, Australia's, Australia will <laughs> love that mullet. Well, Australians love that mullet anyway. They've never got away from the mullet. They are pretty uh, pretty backward <laughs> down there. So, um, yes, an excellent good. Yeah. Cameron Smith, uh-huh. champion golf of the year, champion mullet of yep. the year. Yep. Well done. Mm. My good, if you're asking, uh, is actually Cameron Smith winning as well. Mm-hmm. So two goods for Cameron Smith. But... He's the first Australian to win since Greg Norman in 1993. And I felt there was a little bit of karma for Rory McIlroy because Rory's decided to be this sort of lead spokesman for the PGA Tour against all things Greg Norman and Live Golf. And he kind of ran his mouth pretty good against uh, Australia's Greg Norman the last few tournaments. And lo and behold... An Australian gets up to steal away the old claret jug from his grasp. So maybe there's a little karma there. Is that good? Don't know. But I felt good about it because Cameron Smith won and he's Australian. (laughs) So that was my good. Have you got a bad? I do have a bad. And the bad for me is the temperatures that we're going to play in next week. And I really hope that they allow both of us to be in the cart because there's going to be a cart there anyway. So with that heat, maybe they think about us seniors. We're old. It's tough to be out there in the hot weather. Maybe they'll let us both be in the cart. Yeah, that's a little expansion expansion on what we talked about earlier. And yes. it's so true, though. 
we are <laughs> we're not bad people. No, we just want to no. ride a golf cart together, and we'll have to cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> yes, we Literally, uh, not a bad bad. I can see it coming a long way away that, well, uh, that yeah. we're going to end up hitting a bit of a roadblock there. Literally Maybe. in a golf cart. Yeah, yeah. And you're bad. My bad is probably the network, the American network television, and probably the understated directive from all things PGA Tour about live golf and the participants and to try and avoid uh, clearly any sort of exposure to those players on the golf course in the telegas, interviews, acknowledgements, encouragement. There's definitely an undercurrent of a message being sent from the PGA Tour to the networks. Yeah. And I think it's bad. So mm. that's my bad. And I think it just look. it sounds like they're trying to go out of their way to not give Live Golf any air at all. So mm. that's my bad. Have you got okay. a ugly? Well, ugly, um, I don't know if it's, well, I don't know if it's ugly or not, but um, I heard Adam Scott is probably joining Live. Oh, where'd you hear that? Golf. I didn't hear that. Yeah. I've, I got my sources. You got your sources. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's Australian. He should be reporting to me before. Oh, well, he, he should. To you. He should. But that's what I heard. Um, oh, I didn't and know then that. Sergio is saying now he's leaving the DP World Tour because he wants to play where they want him, and he wants to play where he's loved and doesn't. And he doesn't feel that now on the DP World Tour. He had a big argument with Thomas Bjorn because he was saying that players are saying they don't want you out there on tour, on the DP World Tour. So that's my little bit of ugly. That's some very good investigative journalism. Yeah. You've dug that up mm -hmm. from nowhere. You haven't. We talk about our podcast beforehand <laughs> to make sure that none of us gets left uh, sitting out looking like an idiot. Yep. And you've, you've shown me up there. Mm. Okay. That's very, very good work. I like that. Yes, yes. Um, What's your it's idea? all getting little catty. It's all getting catty between Liv and the tours now. Yes, when, when they, and, and what I do find funny is golf in general is pretty much vanilla right across the board. Mm. And uh, now it's all getting a little bit dark and um, mischievous. I like it. I like the drama. It's, it's, I yeah. find it very funny. <laughs> um, going on with that, yes. <laughs> my <laughs> ugly is excluding the RNA excluded Greg Norman from and who's a two, former two-time British Open champion excluded mm. him from the celebrations at the start of the week when they did the four-hole sort of little go-round yeah. because they yep. wanted to keep attention on the RNA and the old golf course and all the players and they felt like the attention towards Greg would be take away from all the other players and I found that petty and what's even worse is the RNA decided to not invite Phil Mickelson, a live player, mm. to the champion's dinner. And I think if you're doing that, I think it just reeks of desperation and pettiness. Yeah, it, I mean, it is a little bit. If now PJ Tour are so comfortable or confident with their tour and their sponsors and everything they have, why are they putting these people aside? Because mm. if they're confident, just go with it and, and let the other tour happen and players go wherever they want to go. But you know, this is this live is gonna go on for a long time. We're gonna have a lot to talk about with these two tours fighting against each other. Hopefully, they'll come to some sort of conclusion. But uh, we'll see what happens here. We will see. I totally agree. Um, we are obviously uh, 
going to be packing for our little trip to Kansas. So I yeah. guess it's time to wrap up this little podcast. It's good to be back on track a little bit. Hopefully everybody appreciated our, appreciated our little wraparound of the British Open and where we're going and some question time, good, bad and ugly. We are all steam ahead to Kansas. Um, I will just do whatever you say and go wherever you want and I won't <laughs> cause any drama. How does that sound? That <laughs> sounds good. Until but I then, also want to remember for yes. people listening that they should subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and you also have to remember that we walk the walk. Now let's talk the talk. See you later, guys. <laughs> <laughs>